You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. That ball was on the line. Shark flew up. Oh, he's toying with him now. Hey, Caitlin. Hi, Chris. How you doing? It's our uncharacteristic post-mortem tournament chat. Exactly, exactly. Because uh, uh, we were talking about uh, the tournament and how entertaining the last few rounds were, even though there weren't really that many great matches. Still, Minimal some, great matches. Minimal great matches. Still Maximal hijinks. Maximal hijinks. I mean, we should start with Monfi, right? That's... That's where this starts. Yeah. yeah. On the behavior widely criticized scale, he merits first mention. Right. And this is a match that you watched. I watched. Yes, I watched it. And uh, could, you know, couldn't, but I was texting you saying, I can't believe this is happening. Things, uh, I think I texted you, this will define his career, which seems kind of ridiculous and silly at this point, but that's how worked <laughs> up I was. <laughs> yeah. Watching it. And uh, like uh, on tennis Twitter, a lot of anger towards him. Um, uh, but uh, I, after it was all done, I felt like sad, you know? Sad. I, okay. And so to just back up, tell us what happened. Right. So Gail Monfi playing in uh, the semis of the US Open, big match, um, came out and didn't appear to really want to try that hard. Or he had some bizarre rope. At best, it was a bizarre rope dope kind of strategy. And at worst, it, it seemed it was it was hard to put together what he was doing. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't really hitting full strokes. He was just sort of chipping things back. He was returning from the baseline on first serves. Wow, it was wild. And Djok- Djokovic was just bewildered. It kind of came came to a head in the second set, and it was just like he just wondered why what he was doing out there. At one point, the the like the saddest moment was when the crowd started to boo him, which they should have. Um, and uh, and then he kind of played up to it, you know, like raising his hands like, yeah, yeah, keep booing me. And I just thought, God, this is like I think this it's like the like this, like incredibly clear manifestation of the self-sabotage that must have been going on in his career all the way along. Because he is such a talented guy like this oh, should yeah. not be. He's like yeah. widely regarded to be the most talented of all these talented guys, especially of the French generation who has like underperformed and Monfils is like the most talented of them by far I know. and like the fact that he was in a semi was awesome because he earned it with like a bunch of really great tennis and he's won a bunch of titles this year so everyone was sort of like oh he's like disciplined now this is his focus yep um i texted i was texting with you and dave i was at a ukrainian puppet show as one is <laughs> so i was in front of the tv and i rushed home and dave described it dave my uh, racket magazine co-founder described it as epic bullshit from Monfeast. wow epic. epic bullshit sure yeah and john McEnroe basically said like this is a disgrace to the game yeah. now may i suggest just to bring this back to something you said earlier about the rope dope if in fact as Monfils said after the match that he cared and he does try and he was trying, he was just trying something different because he had lost every single encounter that he had ever had with Djokovic and his tactic worked to a degree, just not well enough because he did rattle Djokovic enough to get a set. Yes. But then ultimately lost the match in four. Do you give any plausibility to that at all? No, no. I mean, <laughs> I mean only in a way, no, I don't. I mean, I, I just don't think that holds water. It's not like he's ranked 
150th in the world, right? Like, like I understand he doesn't have a lot, of, a lot of success against him, but watching it, it felt like someone who was finding a weird way to crack under pressure. Oh, interesting. You know, that's how it read. To, I mean, we're, I'm just like speculating about his mindset, but like, given that he has underperformed, like, I think it's fair. It just seemed like someone who kind of freaked out. And if that's kind of the rationalization for it, which is like this, I mean, it is a strategy kind of, but it's this kind of strategy that you execute when you're totally freaked out. And it just seems like a way to not, not have to deal with the pressure. Yeah. Like playing possum. Well, you know, most tellingly, not most tellingly, but Victoria Azarenka, who is one of my favorite weirdos on the tour and is good friends with Gail Monfils was tweeting during it because one of the most amazing tennis Twitters to follow in the past year has been Victoria Azarenka while she is at home pregnant because she's like watching tennis and commentating on it was baffled and she kept tweeting like I don't understand what's going on I'm friends with Gael he's like this is uncharacteristic he's such a great guy and you know I'm not sitting here like ready to like dismiss his character or anything because again you watch it I didn't but it I have often found him one of the certainly most talented and probably underperforming, but also like most enjoyable players yeah. to watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think like I didn't, I didn't get McEnroe angry at him. Yeah. McEnroe got angry. Angry. I mean, like, like, uh, like I get it. Like he's a professional. He's been on the tour for a long time. He's not like, you know, this is his first, his very first big match, although it's probably his biggest match. In a um, long time. Yeah. But I mean, it just, it just seemed, it just it, like, like it felt sad. Like someone throwing away a big yeah. opportunity. And the justification doesn't just didn't really hold water. Let's talk about other bad behavior because I actually don't. Monfils was certainly the most notorious because it came late in the tournament and was like very controversial. But I actually um, want to talk. And to be clear, normally we have lots to say about the women, and they just were better behaved because all <laughs> we have to talk about is the men. Um, to me, under appreciated underreported because he fell out of the tournament in the first set uh bernie tomic the australian did you read about what he did no tell me this was actually the worst thing that anybody could have done in my view he was getting dragged by a common somebody in the audience who was like basically like why aren't you trying harder because he was losing to some qualifier nobody um, and he confronted the guy in between, in between like very terrible playing and said, uh, I'm going to put my balls in your mouth. Wow. To a fan. <laughs> and then was like, Hey buddy, if you're not feeling great, I'll just give you some of my money. It will make you feel better. Which is kind of like the second sort of nouveau riche, you know, déclassé athlete thing. Uh, right that Tomek has said in the past when confronted with the idea that he doesn't care. Uh, he was like, why would I care? I am worth $10 million. So it just, in terms of the like on court antics, like actually engaging and, um, suggesting a fan put your balls in his mouth is like probably to me worse than like trying a very weird tactic in a semifinal. Definitely. And there's no sort of like sympathetic spin on it. Like he's just an ass. (laughs) unfortunate uh happening and then we had nick kyrgios who another australian very controversial who pulled out of the tournament after an injury and got majorly criticized by mcenroe for basically not training hard enough which i'm not sure if that's even like a fair criticism but he has in the past talked about how he doesn't train and then he got injured yeah after a couple matches and then McEnroe was really angry with dimitrov he had johnny mack had an angry tournament man he really did (laughs) he was not happy 
And then, and then, uh, when Djokovic was had the injury t- timeout, he was pissed off about that. Or him or Patrick was like, you know, uh, somebody just abusing the rules, and no one has the guts to call him on it. Like, wow, geez, just ranting and raving. Which, like, to be fair. Like nobody has the guts to call any of these players on it. Like yeah, exactly. nobody's worse about abusing medical timeouts and timeouts in general than like Rafa Nadal. Right. Like nobody calls that guy on anything. Um, you know, and at least in this case, there was blood. Right. There was a weird thing. Did you see the 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 mic where they they had like the mic at court level? Djokovic uh, during the final match was like, "Stand, stand. Sorry, man. Sorry." Weird. Weird to think of them talking to each other like that Super on, on weird. the court. <laughs> Super weird. The whole thing was very baffling. I mean, the match was a good match, I think, for the most part. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I always like a stand Vavrinka deep run because he's such an exciting player to watch when he plays well and he's so terrible to watch when he plays poorly like he's just super inconsistent which i don't mind like no no it's great i like great heights and i don't mind you know terribly low valleys if that's gonna if that's gonna do it but yeah the match was good but all in all like the dudes were just so dramatic and like the ladies were pretty perfunctory i mean obviously serena losing was uh was a big bummer for a lot of fans hoping to see her make history with 23 but like i thought the tennis and the comportment of the athletes on the women's side was like pretty great and it was cool to see kerber get number one she had had such an amazing year yeah yeah it was just like watching these buffoonish men like just getting all sorts of chiding from john McEnroe, who by the way if i he deserves a john McEnroe-esque character to have like commented on his early behavior like that would be great who i don't know who was calling matches in like the late 70s and early 80s but like exactly i'm sure i'm sure he would appreciate that but 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 i think that there was something about the monfi thing which is like the not competing that's his thing right because he's like too competitive yeah, right. he's too competitive. He's right. too much of a hothead. And the, the the fact that this guy is like incredibly talented, plays a bunch of great matches, he gets himself in the semi, and then like is doing some sort of weird performance kabuki. Yeah, I can <laughs> right. understand why that's like deeply upsetting. Right, but I mean, look, there's there's like when when Monfi writes his memoir, there's going to be a, something that like forces him to realize the amount of sabotage he's been performing on himself all along. I don't know, man. Like that chance may not come around again. And for him to say that that was some sort of bizarre strategy just doesn't make any. I don't know. Does that make any sense to you at all? I would love an interior look at these like players' mindsets because I think it's just like incredibly fascinating. And I think actually the way that we talk about them, unlike other sports where we have an actually very sort of diverse body of TV commentators, this is all pretty like insular. Like a lot of these people used to be on the tour. Yeah. A lot of it is like pretty antiseptic. A lot of the people who are talking about the matches on TV are also representing players or coaching players you know if you look at any other sport it's kind of a free-for-all in a way that i think is a little bit more interesting so to me the fact that we're not getting much of an insight in these players and furthermore like the sport is set up so everyone has their own sort of like fortress like camp where yeah. no information comes out whatsoever right and i would just love for somebody to get them on feast interview and be like hey dude just like walk us through it what happened you yeah know? yeah i mean it'll probably happen in a few weeks like like he's like not ready right like if someone were to ask him that question just kind of in a way that a normal athlete we would get that question in a year like hey what happened back then uh right i, I bet there's like a pretty good chance you'd get an amazing answer out of him Uh, Kerber, she, does she feel like a real number one or a fly yeah. by night number one? I think actually so too. she yeah. she does feel like a real number one. I feel like this has been a couple years coming, and like the fact that she's been hanging in there with Serena like for the past solid year, like Australia to me wasn't a fluke. I was surprised that she won 
but it wasn't a fluke that she was there in that match and competing. And like after Wimbledon, which was a pretty well contested match too, like this one felt like she might have taken it to Serena if Serena had made it to the final. Right. Yes. And the fact that she didn't, um, because Pliskova beat her, meant that nobody was really, you know, Pushkova played a pretty good match actually, but nobody yeah. was there to sort of stand in her way. So yeah, I think it was deserved. I mean, obviously Serena still, I think going to get to number 23 and be recognized as the greatest athlete of all time, if not the greatest tennis player of all time. So then there's some nice symmetry, right? Angelique Kerber is now the woman who ended Serena's weeks at number one, which she bested Steffi Graf at number one. So there's like a nice little Teutonic bookend I mean, it's tough to hate Angie Kerber. She's just got a game that won't quit, and she's got... She's a signature shot, kind of. She's got a signature down-the-line forehand lefty shot, which isn't even her real hand. Right. Should we? Did we blow it by, like, not having parents who forced us to use our non-dominant hands? I think so. I think, like, lack of pushy parenting has really made me, like, a happier, less successful person. Me too. I uh, If I had to do it all over again, I would force my parents to uh, make me switch hands. <laughs> you would force your parents to force you... Yes. To switch hands. Okay. Cool. It's really their fault. It's not yeah. mine. Um, oh, but, you know, oh. maybe I can remedy this by, you know, insisting that my son yeah. plays a lefty. You know, it worked for Rafa and Uncle Tony. Back on Kerber, what I meant was that's her signature shot, I think, is the one where she, like, doesn't see the baseline and sort of, like, kneels down and swings at the same time. Like, I feel like that's the Kerber shot. To me, that's, like, one of the most exciting shots in tennis because it also doesn't look a lot like the game that the rest of the women play. Right. And, like, that kind of crouch down low backhand swatting shot. It's, like, cool. Yeah. Her, yeah. her serve could get better. I, I like that her game is a little bit different and attacking. And she kind of plays, like, a Monica Seles type game, actually, if you look at it. Azarenka, Sharapova, um, Halep. I'm trying to think of who else is, like, kind of in that, like, secondary tier to Serena, who does everything Serena does, but just, like, a little bit worse. Right, where she's a little unique. And even, like, Pliskova, it was, like, interesting to watch her because she just has, like, easy power. Doesn't look like she's swinging that hard and just absolutely annihilating the ball. So to me, like, that's kind of cool. And it's a little bit, obviously, because she's a lefty, uh, it's a little bit more sort of interesting to watch her match up against some of the top players. I actually think it's going to be an interesting um, Singapore, which is the women's tour final Mm -hmm. um, that's played in the end of October, where the top eight get invited and it's a round robin. You know, Muguruza's in there. She's had a very up and down year, but she's an explosive player. All the players I just mentioned, with the exclusion of Simona, will not be there. Azarenka is pregnant. Maria Sharapova is still serving her ban. So, you know, a lot of weird stuff could happen. And then Serena is obviously like a little bit injured so it'd be interesting to see like Kerber's the most solid and consistent as of now oh yeah yep for sure there uh on Sharapova there, there's a weird thing on Twitter I saw someone retweeted her tweeting about uh like with the, that she tweeted a picture of some other player wearing the outfit she would have worn for the U.S. Open and being like it's a great I love this outfit I was like how weird <laughs> like you're not wearing it because you're suspended for drugs. It's like <laughs> how it's like it's like it never happened in a weird way. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. It's really weird, and she's here in New York, like walking around town doing photo shoots and like doing charity boxing and stuff. It's a very weird thing. It's a weird suspension because there's it's like a no shame suspension almost. Like are are people do people hate her? For, it doesn't seem like it. I think they do. I actually okay. think she gets a lot of she gets a lot of uh, creepy men uh, being like you're so beautiful, um, and a lot of like you're a cheater. You know, huh. Ten- tennis Twitter is like among the 
lowest form of conversation about our sport. <laughs> right. Um, so it's not super, super surprising. Um, but, you know, I think there might be like an interesting nuanced conversation to have with Maria. She also kind of doesn't make it easier to like her. There was this one thing that stuck out of my mind that I will never forget where in the past like 15 years, all of the people, all the women who played in the top 10 were asked who their most fearsome rival is. And everybody pretty much dating back to like the very end of the graph era Capriati, Justine Hennen, Kim Kleisters, Lee Na, you know, everybody who has taken a turn in the, at the top of the game, Ivanovich, Yelena Yankovic, all of them were like, oh, it's Serena. It's obviously Serena Williams. She's like the, the number one rival any of us have ever had, Venus Williams included. Um, and then it flashed to Maria Sharapova and she was like, um, I think it was Monica Seles. And you're like, what? Come on. You've played Monica Seles like two times. <laughs> you've exactly played right. Serena Williams like 40 times and you've beaten her two times. Uh. Come on. So like there's a little bit of that going on where it's like there's a elephant in the room that she's sort of not addressing on this. On this on the same token, I'm not sure, you know, maybe that's a good tactical maneuver on her part. Hard yeah. to say. Do, do you think she comes back? Yeah, I actually yeah. do think she's going to come back, and I think she's going to come back. Uh, I think one thing I like about her, and I always have, even though her game is like a little bit limited and she doesn't have a plan B, which I think is a little bit lame, she plays with access to a fury that is unlike most <laughs> other players, even exactly. Serena. Right. Like, it doesn't happen all the time, but when it can and does, it's really formidable, and it's fun to watch because she clearly plays from this like crazy crazy uh crazy place of rage which yes. i find incredibly entertaining so i think if there's any of that left in her which i think there is uh that's what's going to animate her comeback and i will be delighted to watch it what about you yes i think she, she will come back i think it'll be a fun comeback but thinking about it in relation to the serena thing which is just like yeah time does go by though i think they've been so good for like a decade now that you, you kind of feel like well it'll just you know it'll it'll keep rolling on and on but like uh, two years is a long time to miss out of your career at that age. Yeah. And I mean, like, so, so how confident are you that Serena will win another at this point? Very. I think it's just simply a matter of time. I don't think it's going to be necessarily the very next tournament, but it's hard to imagine she doesn't get at least one title in 2016. Uh, sorry, 2017. That said, you know, I don't think she's got five more. No. No, and even a year ago, you like it, it wouldn't have been laughable to say she had four or five more in her. Yeah, like people talk about Novak Djokovic, and they say like, "Oh, he's got like five more," and I think that that's probably true. Um, I think he probably actually will surpass Federer just because he's like healthy and his game is really consistent. Right. But I, it's hard to imagine Serena adding more than one or two, especially as she approaches like thirty-five, thirty-six. Yeah. You know, that's just like there's, a, you know, two weeks out of a tournament. And even though she doesn't play a very heavy schedule, like an 11 month like season is bonkers. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's that's I I actually think given how weird and wild this U.S. Open was in terms of the on-court antics men's side and actually some of the like interesting player dynamics on the women's side, the tour finals have taken on like a little bit more intrigue than they normally do for me. I'm yeah. really curious to see who will win on the women's side and what kind of baloney the dudes will pull. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, fashion. So I think the most Oof. notable thing is <laughs> we already t t talked about the outrageous amount of neon, but Stan the man really boiled raspberries. Is that what you called it? 
I, I stole that from somebody. I can't take okay. credit for that. But okay. he did, in fact, look like a boiled raspberry. It was brutal. It was brutal. It was brutal. <laughs> and, like, the black sneakers don't really help either. Not a good look. Uh, as much as we like him, this is not a knock on him. But between that and, like, the uh, the plaid, gray and brown plaid thing he wore to win the French, really p- putting together a uh, resume here. You know, at this point, maybe it's, like, anti-fashion. Right. You know? <laughs> right, exactly. Right, because like Mur- Murray's one kind of anti fashion. And then yeah. Murray's the- like a I don't care about fashion. My wife picks out all my clothes kind of fashion. <laughs> Whereas like whatever he's doing is like I want your eyes to bleed. Uh, I don't know. Is that the worst outfit uh to win a slam? In recent memory, the worst outfit anyone has ever won a slam in, and that includes like some pretty atrocious uh, wear in like the early '90s, the like mid '90s when like basketball length shorts were in, and yeah. like Andre, Andre and Pete were wearing like, and the clam diggers. I mean, those were horrific moments Hard in day. fashion as well. Boiled raspberry would not look good of, on anyone of any gender. <laughs> um, yes, to me that was a sartorial low light, but also highlight. You know, I do like when they get really weird. So right, better weird than boring. We have. A bit of a denouement, if uh-huh. you will, in the last the next couple of weeks as the tour goes to Asia. I will watch. I don't know that everyone who has been watching will continue watching, but I hope everyone tunes into the end of the year because I think that is would be a good time for us to check back in and see if any of these like crazy storylines that have begun uh, will will be continuing. Yes. Yes, yes. It's been a delight. Thank you for recapping with me. I just felt like it needed uh, it needed some closure. I needed some closure. Happy to help, Keenan. All right. Uh, until soon. Until soon. Look, you can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. That ball was on the line. Shock flew up. Oh, he's toying with him now. 